I'd like to read to you a portion of the Christmas story according to Luke, breaking into the middle of the narrative, beginning with the angels and the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rest. There is in the Bible a wonderful list of the various names and titles that are given to Jesus. I think it was Warren Wiersbe who made the comment that every name that he bears is a blessing that he shares. Among these names and titles for Jesus is that he is called the Alpha and the Omega, the Ancient of Days, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is called the only wise God, the Bishop of our souls, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is called the Lamb of God, the Rose of Sharon, the Bright and Morning Star, and the Lily of the Valley. Jesus is identified as the Bridegroom who loves his people. And he is called the Good Shepherd, the Bread of Life, the Light of the World. And he even bears the wonderful title that he is the Resurrection and Life. And all these names and the meaning behind these names secure blessing and salvation for us. And when we think about who Jesus is through a short list of his lengthy titles, and we realize that he really is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. He really is the Lamb of God who bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might be forgiven. He really is the blessed and only potentate. We want to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. I said last night that every person who came face to face with the infant Christ worshiped him. Mary did. Anna and Simeon worshiped him. Zachariah, the father of John the Baptist, worshiped him. All who came face to face with the infant Christ, while the Magi fell at his feet, and gave him the praise he eternally deserves. Well, in this series of sermons over the last three Sundays, our theme has simply been to prove from Scripture in general and from the Advent narratives in particular that Jesus is God. 
that Thomas had it right after the resurrection of Jesus when he looked into his face and said, you are my Lord in such a personal way, and you are my God, worthy of my soul, my life, my all, worthy of my worship. What has been interesting, and I wonder if you have noticed it, that in all these Advent stories, for the most part, the way the deity of Jesus is, is communicated to us, is shown to us, is through what we might call the Advent names or titles of Jesus. For example, Jesus is worthy of the title God. He is called Emmanuel, God with us in this world. And when we considered his title or his name as the true and living God, we talked about Romans 9, verse 5, Christ, who is God. Can you get any clearer than that? Christ, who is God over all. Nothing is above him. Nothing can threaten his sovereign reign. Christ, who is God over all, forever worthy of praise. So he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. That's his title. It is also true that we've talked about how he is the eternal word made flesh. In John's gospel we read, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and nothing was made apart from him. Now that's an incredibly interesting statement. He's saying in the beginning, which means Jesus existed before the beginning. He is eternally preexistent. He was with God in the eternal fellowship of the Holy Trinity, and he was in fact God, and he's still God. God the eternal Son. And to underscore that he really is calling Jesus the eternal word God, he says he created everything. He is the omnipotent God who spoke it into existence. And then you drop down a few verses. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his own glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. Oh, he didn't come into the world full of judgment. He came with superabounding grace and with truth sufficient to, uh, to redeem sinners like you and me. You see, Jesus is God in all the perfection and beauty that God is. He is God in the fullest sense of that word. It is also true that Jesus is human in the fullest sense of that word too, excepting he had no sin. And we call this the incarnation, the enfleshment of the Son of God without ceasing to be God, without compromising his godness. He is nevertheless veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity. But he has come in this world in human form that he might bring us truth and that he might give us grace by bearing in his body our sin. On the cross. So we've talked about those two, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, that he is the eternal word made flesh. We have also said 
that Jesus is worthy of the title Savior. In fact, his name, Jesus, means, do you remember? Jehovah saves. God Almighty is the Savior. Did you know in all the history of the world, there has only ever been one true Savior, and there only ever will be one true Savior. This is the verification not only of the New Testament Scriptures, but the Old Testament Scriptures as well. Listen to um, Hosea 13, verse 4. But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. And then in Isaiah, declare what is to be presented. Let them take counsel together. Who foretold this long ago? Who declared it from the distant past? Was it not I, the Lord? And there is no God apart from me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none but me. So the true and the living God is on record in the Old Testament as declaring that he's the only God, a righteous one at that, and he is the only Savior that there is. But you move over to the New Testament. Who is it that's called the Savior? The Lord Jesus Christ. This whole great truth of him being the only God who saves in the Old Testament is transferred to Jesus. Because that's exactly who he is. He's God who saves his people. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, his name means Jehovah saves, God saves. And that's the mission of his life. You shall call his name Jesus, because his whole reason for coming into the world was to save sinners. We'll talk more about that in just a minute. Now we come to this, this last sermon in the series where we will think about what the angel says to the shepherd concerning this other title that he bears, that he is Christ the Lord. Let's read Luke 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid to bring do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I'd like to read the same passage from the ESV. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In all the Advent narratives, in one way or another, Jesus is presented to be the Savior. But there are three titles in that single expression. He is called the Savior, that's his pardoning name. He is called Christ the Messiah, that is his promised name. And he is called the Lord, that is his preeminent name. Let's just think very briefly about these. Again, he's called the Savior. Today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. 
Jesus Christ, Paul says, came into the world to save sinners. Jesus himself said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. And the promise here is that it is good news. He says to the shepherds, the angel does, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. I bring you good news of great joy, but it's good news only because there's a lot of bad news. And the bad news is about you. And it's about me. And it's one we must take with utmost seriousness because you see, if the Bible says, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. The really bad news is what? We are sinners. We have rebelled against God. We've dishonored the glory of his name and character. We have violated his law. And that's just a shallow way of describing what a sinner really is. It is far more prevailing and tragic as it is revealed in Scripture. It, scripture says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Why, did you know there was even a verse where Jesus addresses sinners and he says, I'll tell you what to fear. Fear him who has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. You going to talk like that on Christmas morning? Yes, because it makes the good news glorious news. He's the Savior. As I so often say, God had every right to send a judge to condemn us. He sent a Savior to redeem us from our sins. So that's his pardoning name. He gives forgiveness. He gives pardon. He gives rescue. He is God with us to redeem us, to deliver us, to save us, and to give us hope. You know what Luke tells you in his gospel? This very thing, this wonderful promise, that if you know Jesus Christ, your name is written forever in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. On this Christmas morning, if you are outside of the grace of God, come to Jesus Christ. Call on him for mercy. And he will wonderfully and instantly and eternally save us when we call to him. But then it says, unto you is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This title, Christ, is also a word that we have defined, a title that we have underscored. Christ, or Messiah, is the same word in two different languages. Christ is, is Greek and, and Messiah is Hebrew. It's a title that means one anointed by God to perform a special task. And the special task of the Christ, the anointed one, the special task given by God the Father uh, for the Messiah is that he would fulfill two realities in our lives. First, he would be Savior. And second, he would be King. And he must be both. 
We do not have a divided Christ. We have a full Christ who is Lord. And so the word means he is the Messiah, he's the Christ, the one who has come into our world anointed by God to redeem us from our sins and to rule over us in righteousness. He is the one who's come to save us by forgiving us and be sovereign over our lives so he can command us. But there's an interesting bit of uh, reading here that we must understand. He is the anointed one, the redeemer king, the savior ruler, who's come into this world to save us and be sovereign over us. But notice how the phrase reads. He is Christ the Lord. It's crucial. It does not say he is the Lord's Christ. That would merely be referring to ownership. He belongs to the Lord and he's been anointed by God to perform a task. You know, in the Old Testament, three offices were uh, anointed. Prophets, priests, and kings. They were anointed ones. So you could legitimately say, Jeremiah is the Lord's Messiah. He's the Lord's anointed one. David is the anointed king who belongs to the Lord. But it doesn't say that. Be very careful here. It says Christ, the one anointed by God to be redeemer and ruler, is the Lord. Do you see the difference? Christ, well, who is he? He's the Lord. And that word Lord reaches back into the Old Testament and is brought forward into the New Testament because it is a title for God. And what the Old Te New Testament writers do is they bring that word over. It means sovereign one, curios, Lord, sovereign one. And they apply it to Jesus. So this one who's come to fulfill the task of saving us and reigning sovereign over us is himself Lord, is himself God. So it is right for Matthew to say on the first page of the Old Testament that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. I want to shape this just a little bit more. Uh, you remember that verse in Philippians 2 where we are told to the glory of God the Father, there will come a day when every knee will bow. You remember that? And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he's the sovereign one, that he's God who came into our world to save us. It's interesting when you think about that statement from Philippians, you could say something like this, that Jesus is given a God title. Listen to uh, Isaiah 42, verse 8. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idol. What did he say? I am the Lord. I am God, and there's not another. And you go over to the New Testament. Someday every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father, that Jesus Christ is, I am the Lord. I am your God, your sovereign one. 
And not only does he get a God title, he gets a God text. Listen to Isaiah 45 and tell me if this sounds familiar. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered all, in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Here's the word. Before me every knee will bow. By me every tongue will confess. The God of the Old Testament before whom every knee will bow and every tongue will confess his lordship, that is directed to the glory of God the Father, to Jesus, who is my Lord, and he is my God. We could not ask for a clearer affirmation of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we wrap it up? How do we finish? Why does it really matter that Jesus is God the Lord, that he is Redeemer from sin to rule over us in righteousness. Sometimes you can list a lot of applications, but you know what? Sometimes you just need a phrase out of the Bible to impress on our hearts. Listen to half a verse, not even a full sentence from 1 Peter 3, verse 15. The NIV reads, In your hearts... Revere Christ as Lord. The ESV, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Can you think of a better response than this biblical one? Christ is Lord, honor him. Christ is Lord, revere, adore, worship, and live for him. I found a way to illustrate that. I've been thinking about a confession of personal faith and surrender that was written by Ray Ortland, and I'd like to read it to you. If he really is Lord of all, there's no divided Christ. He is Savior and Lord simultaneously. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, the scriptures declare. Listen to this confession, perhaps making it your own. I confess Jesus is Lord. I confess that Jesus shares the name and the nature, the holiness, the authority, power, majesty, and eternality of the one and only true God. I confess that Jesus died and was raised, opening heaven up to unworthy sinners. I am such a sinner, and I gladly embrace his atonement, that is his cross work for me. I confess that Jesus rightfully owns me, every part of me, every moment of my time, every dollar in my possession, every opportunity granted me, every responsibility thrust upon me, every hope I cherish, every person whom I love and treasure. I am the personal property of the Lord Jesus Christ. He deserves my allegiance, loyalty, and trust 24 hours a day in all places, in all aspects of my life, both public and private. He is worthy of my obedience. He is worthy of my utmost. He is worthy of my very blood. I confess that Jesus 
is Lord. That's what it means to honor him as Lord. It's what it means to revere him as Lord. We gladly and regularly surrender the whole of our redeemed personhood to him. It's why we say, to him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray very specifically with us. Lord Jesus, calls us to submit to your divine lordship, to submit to you in how we think and live, to submit to you in how we use all our time, to submit to you in how we relate to each other, and to surrender to you in terms of how we speak and serve and suffer and sing. You are our Lord. And that is infinitely necessary and infinitely joyous to us. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen.